Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Hey guys, how's it going out there in Geek Guys Nation? This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, and I have, well, part two of our journey of a recap of this last weekend that is WrestleMania weekend. So today we're going to be going over Mania, we're going to be going after, or over the Raptor Mania, and also SmackDown, so, you know... Buckle your seatbelts in. This is going to be a bumpy ride. And uh, on my ride today with me, of course, is my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. How about you? I'm kind of breathing hard because of all that like, talking I just did. I don't know why. I think I'm fat. I need to like, lose weight. Anyways, uh, we also have some awesome guests here tonight uh, with us. The founder of the multimedia company, The Nerd Hub, my good buddy, Jack Flowers. Thanks, Jack, for being on tonight. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. All right, and then we also have the founder of the multimedia company, Jeffrey Show Live, back again, Mr. Jeffrey Taylor. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Pleasure to be back, Dane. Thanks for having me. No problem, dude. Always a pleasure. And then our good friend, uh, your your um, you know uh, co-vacationer to WrestleMania weekend, Mr. Michael Hoyt. How you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, everybody? All right, so yeah, we got we got a lot to talk about tonight, a lot to recap, and like I said, I think that you know having uh, Jeffrey and Hoyt on here is they have a unique uh, trait for this conversation to uh, put forward because they were actually at WrestleMania and the Rafter Mania, so we're gonna go over all that stuff, and I think it'll be cool for uh, you know us that watch it at home. And the ones that actually get to go there, and I'm extremely jealous at, and I kind of hate you guys. So I don't know why you're on my show. But uh, either way, let's get to this coverage. I'm just kidding, by the way. Don't get all mad. Um, so WrestleMania, man, this is a big show uh, from start to finish. And I think that will be the theme of this whole thing is that I think we can all agree that this is a very jam-packed show, I feel, for uh, Jeffrey and Hoyt, because they went to the Supercard that I, we talked about last night that was an extremely long show, and this was another a, a two and a half hours, I believe. So from start to finish, had some really uh, peaks, a couple lows, but I think all in all, this is probably my favorite WrestleMania since probably 30, maybe 31, but most likely 30. I think that 
even though the internet will complain about every fucking thing, that this one really provided a lot of wins that we didn't see coming, a lot of situations that we also did not see coming, and a couple things that we didn't want to see coming at all because, uh, you know, Kurt Angle and uh, Baron Corbin. But either way, instead of me rambling, let me first uh, cut it to Jeffrey, you and then Hoyt. I just want to ask you guys real quick, what was the vibe like at WrestleMania outside of that horrible light that was piercing your eyes during the Randy Orton match uh, with AJ Styles. Uh, how did you like WrestleMania, and what was like the vibe right after Mania? Were you guys still pumped after going to all the shows you did previously, or were you starting to get exhausted, especially throughout the duration of the show? Jeff? It's going to start off with me. Well, the vibe, I was already mentally prepared for WrestleMania. Like, that was why we came. Like, if there wasn't anything that I was going to make it to, the penis party, G1 in the Madison Square Garden, it was WrestleMania. There was already 17 matches announced. So, I just really focused that, hey, we're going to be there all day. Like, it, no complaining, no nonsense. Like, you're excited. Uh, this wasn't the first WrestleMania that I've been to, but it was definitely the longest. So, the vibe walking in, I'd never been in the MetLife Stadium, and it just felt really good to be around so many wrestling fans, 86,000 wrestling fans amongst me that's not complaining on the Internet, but just genuinely happy to be there because they paid over $1,000 for a seat that they can barely see. It just really felt good. So the vibes was all good with me. I'd agree. Good I think it was, uh, it was pretty electric. Oh, is that true? No, no, I was going to say good vibes, but, uh, you know, not so for the wallet. That's what I got out of that. What were you going to say, Hoyt? I was just going to say it was electric going in there. Everyone was very excited. I mean, even the the um, uh, the tailgating outside was pretty wild. I'm sure you guys seen a couple of those videos. People were jumping off cars on the tables, having their own matches. Just everybody was just in a really good spirit to see, just be excited to be there in general. So um, I thought it was fun. Even though we were mentally prepared to be there for so long, um, we were there for eight hours but uh, it seemed to go fairly quickly, um, but it wasn't bad. It was really fun. It was a really cool experience to have. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm definitely interested in going to uh, the one in Tampa next year, and hopefully we get one in Atlanta soon. That would be nice. But uh, let's start off with the kickoff show, guys. Um, we'll talk about the Cruiserweight Championship match, Tony Nese going against Buddy Murphy. Uh, I thought this was a great uh, match. Um and uh, once again, it's a situation, though, that it was – I think the audience was great, but I think I'm assuming a lot of people, since it's on the pre-shows, and a lot of people probably don't watch 205 Live as much as some of the main other shows, and they don't feature them anymore uh, on Raw. Um, it's, it was a good match. I just uh, – I, I wish I cared more about 205 Live. I try to tune in a lot, but, hey, uh, someone from New York, Tony Nese, picked up the, the win against Buddy Murphy, who's had the belt for a while since he won it in Australia, his home country. So uh, pretty cool thing to see. And I don't think that anyone's, uh, you know, uh, got out of the Murphy's law. So that was cool to see that part of the story. That's when I knew, all right, yep, title change is definitely happening, where I definitely had Buddy Murphy going into there uh, retaining. But either way, what did you think about this match, Chris? I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great way to kick off the show. Obviously, as people fill in, that that spot's always hard, but I, I thought they did a really good job of getting the crowd behind it from what I could tell from you know TV. Obviously, we'll get the varying opinion, but um, yeah, I mean, this, this match is always in a hard spot, and it 
for whatever reason, it, it tends to be filled with the 205 Live guys who um, get kind of the short end of the stick a little bit just because it takes so long to get in the arena. But um, I think by the end of the match, you know, they had something really great going. Um, I, I liked the setup towards the end with uh, Tonini hitting the knee after teasing it earlier in the match. There's a pretty cool 450 spot with uh, Tony Nice as well. And Buddy Murphy has just been having great match after great match after great match on these pay-per-views. Uh, I think I think I even made a joke that he's like the um, <laughs> Mr. Pre-Show last time we talked about Bernie, Buddy Murphy, but uh, uh, yeah, it was a it, it was a a great great opening match. I had no complaints about this one. It was a lot of fun to watch and uh, definitely got me geared up for uh, the rest of the day. Buddy Murphy, Mr. Pre-Show, I like that. I think that's got a ring to it for sure. Um, Jack, how did you feel about the cruiserweight match? Yeah, I mean, it was it was short to the point. Um, I think we all can agree that we all are fans. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I, you got yes, a little bit of little, little bit of feedback, right. but nothing bad. My mic was half in and out. I didn't. I wasn't sure if you had it. I'm good now. Um, so it was a short to the point uh, match. I think we can all agree that while we are fans and buddies, we have had it for a long time. Um, he should have definitely put Nice over. You know, I like that both of them won in their hometown. It was a solid match, but it was a pre-show match. So, you know, was what it was. Absolutely. I agree. Hoyt, what did you think about this Cruiserweight match? Um, I thought it was, it was kind of just okay. The moves were good. Um, both wrestlers had some high energy, but it just didn't feel like there was, like, heat. Uh, for the match between everybody. You're just kind of out there. That's what I kind of got out of it. Um, but it was short and to the point. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it was, it was a good match. It just didn't, I mean, I didn't get what I wanted out of it. I, I get that completely because, I mean, that is the the problem with 205 Live is that if you don't get to watch it, it's kind of like NXT UK, really, for the uh, NXT audience, which I do watch that. But, you know, that's why I think the heat was lacking because, you know, not a lot is put There's into no character the cruiserweight division. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and if, unless you watch it, which I know a lot of people do, but a lot of people can't watch that much fucking wrestling in their life because Ron SmackDown already suck up five of them. So I get it. Uh, Jeffrey, did you like this match when you and Hoyt were first getting there? We're talking about the cruiserweight matchup. Yep. No, I didn't like it. I, I thought that I would have enjoyed it better on television. I think that um, there are certain matches when you go there live without the commentators, without the angles, without the cut, that you just genuinely enjoy more. Hopefully I'm not losing anybody when I say this. Hopefully somebody can relate to me. But I felt like in live, in person, I would have enjoyed it better if I was on the couch at home. I also just didn't like the fact that Buddy Murphy lost. That's just a personal opinion. I didn't like the fact that Buddy Murphy lost. That's just the fan in me. But nevertheless, I felt like I would have enjoyed it more in person. I felt like they do a great job of cutting with the angles and with the commentators, uh, telling the moves and giving the story, to be honest. Like, for somebody that doesn't watch 205 Live, I didn't know the story, unfortunately. Like, I like both athletes, but I didn't know the story, unfortunately. So that's bad on my part, but it took away from the match. So, if you're watching the pre-show at home, you're probably like, oh, okay, this has been going on the past month. Of course, there's a tournament. But, um, yeah, it didn't do anything for me in person. 
Hey, I completely get it because I think, like I said, that's that's the problem with the cruiserweight division itself is that it's not televised a lot, you know. And I mean, it like I know a lot of people probably don't know a lot of people from main events. I'm not trying to put two or five live guys on the same level as that because. You know, a lot of those guys put out standing matches. Obviously, this would have been better, I think, from my seat watching on television, but I can see, even though they got the audience to get into it towards the end, how it wouldn't be that great or, uh, you know, impressive to watch live. But uh, let's go over to the next match. Uh, We had the Raw Tag Team Championship match. No, 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 I'm sorry. The uh, WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Um, Man. Of all people, I'm sorry. No, I, it's, it's, it's not Carmella, uh, uh, her winning. But I think a lot of us expected kind of like, you know, I don't know, maybe an agent going up to us and be like, hey, you got to drop your title because now we're going to throw that into the main event. But, hey, we'll just – we'll give you DeAndre the battle bullshit – or not DeAndre, the um, women's battle royal uh, for the vagina trophy or whatever the fuck that thing is. Um so, yeah, basically you just, you know, cut to, from us at least, we don't see any entrances, we, or we just see all the women just piled in. It's cool seeing Kari Sane in that, um, uh, you know, a couple other people, but, and also Amber Moon, uh, her coming back. Uh, there was a cool sequence with her and Naomi, but nothing was that memorable. And I just feel like Carmella has won the money in the bank. She's a past champion. It actually would have been cool for Sarah Logan to, you know, rise her stock a bit if she actually does eliminate Oscar and win it. I hate the whole, hey, I was outside the whole entire time, you know, outside of AEW pulling it off uh, with uh, Flip Gordon going through the table disguised as another luchador. It usually just is kind of cheap. Um, so this battle royal was whatever. Uh, but, yeah, cool. Carmelo won it. Whatever. Look at that stupid trophy. Either way, it was there. Chris, what did you think about it? Uh, I didn't actually see when Carmella went outside the ring or how she got outside the ring. So I don't know if she was like knocked out between the ropes or if she just chose to go outside the ring. So I kind of missed the, that spot to set up the ending. Um, so it really threw me off when she just showed back up. So I, I don't know, like if I, I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but I definitely missed that spot. I don't know if I was looking at action at a different side of the screen or what. Um, it was kind of a clusterfuck of a battle royal. I agree with you on the outside spot in general, and mostly just because WWE did it in both the battle royals, and in the last Women's Royal Rumble, they did a similar spot with Selena Vega um, and the horn swoggle comedy gimmick. So hopefully next time they come around and do like the Royal Rumble or a different battle royal, they kind of steer a bit clear of it, because I think it's, it's one of those things where if you go to the well too many times, it, it just goes dry. So outside of that, I don't have any problem with Carmella winning just because it didn't build to any kind of title shot or, I mean, it's just a one-off match. Um, and I mean, they seem to like Carmella with our truth and they're going to continue to do stuff with her. Uh, I guess a lot of people probably are upset that Oscar didn't win this after losing her title, but I don't think they know what they're doing with her. So um, yeah, it's just, it was a weird match altogether. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that, that actually is a good question. Um, from your vantage point, from where you were, Jeffrey, could you see exactly what was going on with Carmella, like when she exited the ring? And what did you think about the uh, women's battle royal itself? Were you mad that Oscar didn't win? Jeffrey? Yes, sir. What was that again? 
It was breaking up. Oh, really? It's breaking up on my end? Oh, that's not good. Um, I was saying, from your vantage point, uh, could you see Carmella exit the ring during that battle royal? Because we, we, we couldn't see it on TV. She just was gone, and then she came back in later on. And also, what do you think about the battle royal itself? Were you mad that Oscar didn't I don't know about win? on Hoy in, but I was legit shocked when Carmella uh, came from under the ring. So to answer your question, no. But it was like one of those happy moments that Sarah won the matchup because she was the underdog, like the crowd genuinely. I don't know if you guys can hear it because I need to watch it on playback because I believe Hoyt watched it on playback, but I haven't yet. But we legit was excited and popped because it was like the underdog Sarah won. I felt like that was all in our facial expressions amongst my section. And then Carmella came out of nowhere, which I didn't see it. Uh, it was just so much going on, so many women. I was still shook, shook on how Ember Moon came back with no introduction. That was, like, where my focus was majority match. Like, they really brought her back in a random battle royal, like, not even a Monday Night Raw after. So that's really probably took me away from Carmella. But nevertheless, it was kind of like, okay, we cool with Carmella winning because she came out of nowhere, but we didn't see her. I know I didn't. I'll speak on behalf of my section. Like, we wasn't paying attention. Uh, she got away with that one. So that was real slick. And a nice surprise, but nah, we didn't see it in person. I got you. Hoyt, did you see anything with her getting out of the ring, you know, between ropes or something like that? Or she just poof also uh, and just won the match at the end of it? And what did you think about the Battle Royal? Right. I didn't uh, I didn't see her getting out of the ring. Uh, I didn't see it, all that. Um, but what I'm wondering is just what the WWE creative team even constantly sees in Carmella. Um, it seems like they're always favoring protecting her. So it seems like Sarah Logan or, or Asuka should have won, especially Asuka obviously should have been more prominently featured in WrestleMania. Um, but Logan had the momentum, so I don't know. It was kind of odd what they did with it. But it was a good match. I mean, it wasn't bad for what it was. Yeah, um, I think, I, you know, Carmella has improved in the ring, but I think it's her personality that brings out something. Uh, she's good at being a heel, and now she's proven that she's good as a face with uh, R-Truth. But I, I agree with you. It seems like there's people with more substance in a wrestling sense. Um, but, hey, you know, I'm not the WWE creative, and I have so many other problems outside of that. That uh, I still like Mella. Mella's money. Um, Jack, what did you think about the Battle Royal and uh, Carmella winning it? Yeah. Um, I didn't like that at all, actually. Uh, I, I do think that if they were going to use that, that cliche again, that they did do a good job because nobody saw it. But other than that, I think Sarah Logan should have won it. I mean, putting over uh, by knocking out Asuka, the one everybody going into wanted to see win it because of the title, and then this underdog comes, I think that would have been a perfect ending to it. So not a fan of the outcome. Didn't see it happen. Um, I did like Ember Moon coming in. Um, my buddy was also there at WrestleMania, and he talked to Ember and asked her when she was coming back, and she, uh, of course, she denied it, and then she showed up. So that was extra for me because I was like, whoa, you know. Um, and then she did a good, good sequence, so hopefully we'll see her back on the main roster. Uh, other than that, it was, it was subpar. I, I have to agree with that. Okay, let's move on to the Raw Tag Team Championship match that you guys didn't know you needed. Uh, um, the Revival of the Champs won in against Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Obviously, Kurt Hawkins' whole story about him being uh, defeated, uh, if you will, uh, having a streak with that for about two and a half years or so. Um, 
basically he's like the opposite of Pete Dunne, except for he doesn't have a belt, obviously, because he just got he lost a lot. Um, but yeah, him and Zack Ryder have teamed back up. These are the old edge heads, and they went against Revival, who were champions. Uh, tried to uh, get released. Uh, you know, apparently they're working with Raw, trying to get the tag division more pumped up. Uh, they got the titles, and then they kind of chopped out a couple times, once to Alistair and Ricochet for non-title. And now they're on the pre-show, and they lose to Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Now, I don't think they would have an insult because storyline is storyline, and that's a good ending. Uh, you got the New York boys winning. Kurt Hawkins finally beats his streak, if you will, and I always like Zack Ryder. It just seems like the Revival's probably not in the most happiest uh, place, I would assume. Uh, but I did like this match. Um, I liked how Hawkins played Possum and caught Scott with the, uh, the package. And I also liked that uh, everyone was um, thanking Dash Wilder when he, when he cut his first punch, everyone started cheering it. It in uh, chanting. I'm sure you guys heard something to that extent since he nailed that guy that tackled uh, Bret Hart. Uh, either way, this is actually a fun tag match, I think. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this match? I thought it was an enjoyable tag match. We uh, Obviously, when we did the uh, preview show, I, I thought that this was definitely going to be kind of the outcome, just with the way that, that they've been alluding to Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins finally getting a win and the, the fact that they kind of kiboshed what the original match for Revival was uh, because it was, I, I think originally it was supposed to be Aleister Black versus uh, in Ricochet versus the Revival and they, and they dealt that back. And I think that's within reason, um, you know, Kurt Hawkins and, and Zack Ryder are a good tag team. I liked them when they were the edge heads. I thought it was a fun moment for me at home to see those guys get a win. They're both also from New York, which I, I think the announcing team, as far as watching from home, could have done a better job letting the crowd know. I mean, it may not have been obvious to everyone, but Kerr Hawkins had on New York Jets gear. Um, so there was some, like, low things like that that they, they you know, put out there. And, they, and I don't really think it hurts the revival at this point because I, I'm pretty sure they're going to try to rebuild them after this brand split up. Um, they're going to shift some of these tag teams around where it makes a little bit more sense, hopefully. So it's not – you don't have so, – like, to me, SmackDown has – a plethora of good tech teams raw can get there. Cause I, I think that they, you know, with obviously uh, heavy machinery coming up, uh, you have a, a tag team there. Authors of pain eventually, hopefully will come back and, and you can build that tag team division. But right now I think, you know, them losing the title could just be a way to shift them to the opposite brand. So I don't have a huge problem with it. It's so the same thing with maybe the, you know, the Usos dropping on SmackDown, which I'm sure we'll talk about. It's a good way to get them shifted over to raw. So I think it's more of just a, a tag team mix-up with a good outcome. So I didn't have a huge problem with it, and like I said, I, I enjoyed the match overall. I think it was a, uh, a fun match and just uh, so, something different to do. Uh, shake things up, if you will, like a shake-up. Um, but, Jack, uh, how did you like this tag match? Uh, were you happy when Kurt Hawkins finally you know, broke his uh, defeated streak, if you will? That's such a weird concept to say. Yeah, I mean – it was a it was a pretty solid match. It was fun. It was fluid. I think everybody wanted to see Ryder and Hawkins once they were putting that match to win. Uh, you know, everyone likes Ryder and Hawkins, and I mean, it's not necessarily a bad move for the revival because, like you said, they're gonna shake things up. I, I a lot of the division, you know, the women's division with Asuka and SmackDown, they became broken at the end of the year. So it it was pretty. We 
saw that these moves were coming. They were just trying out new teams until they could shake it up. So it, that's why it ended up on the pre-show. I I approved the outcome for sure. Uh, I like that they defended uh, successfully the next night. That kind of solidified them, especially using the same move. Um, it was all right. Yeah. Um, Hoyt, what did you think about this match? Were you getting into it, uh, or were you kind of like, I don't really care about this, which I'm sure a lot of people felt? Um, I thought the match was solid, but then the result didn't really make any sense. It sounds like the WWE was just trying to teach them a lesson for, you know, talking about trying to join the AEW all on that social media, you know? So basically they gave them the tag titles and then let them look like chumps and left uh, to a non-title match, and then they give them the basically match between some jobbers and uh, ends up on a pregame show, you know? So it's kind of weird what they did, but I think they're a solid tag team. It's just kind of weird what they did with it, that's all. I agree. There is some some stuff where you kind of wonder if the writing's on the wall. Uh, Jeffrey, what did you think about this match? I, I thought that the Revival Live matter, and I was, like, so pissed off. You can see it on my face. And that's just from a fan perspective again. I want to I wanna keep that clear, is that I just love the Revival, and I feel like throwing Riders and Hawkins at me with no storyline, like, no matter if you give me the losing streak, the hometown, that just wasn't enough for me. Like, you should have been started out. You should have had them losing on Raw every week for me to get into it. Like, for the kids, they probably loved it. But for me to get into it, you needed to show me that they've been losing, not just on main event and house shows, but on TV. So I can have some sympathy like I did. I'm not even going to mention that to later, but like I did for later main event stars in the car. But uh, nevertheless, I'm still happy for the match for people. Uh, I thought that the match on Raw was better than WrestleMania match, and I ended on that. I think that the Raw match was a lot better than WrestleMania, so I was a little upset at them uh, for not bringing that energy um, that they did on Raw on on Sunday because that psychology on Raw was really good. Absolutely. And speaking about stuff that I could have just done without, uh, let's talk about the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. They need to, both these Battle Royals, just put a title shot and the trophy or just get rid of the, the, well, I like the Andre one. Um, I don't know. It it would be more meaningful if there was something to win, very much similar to how I feel about the Survivor Series matches. Uh, You know, just something extra. We all knew it was going to happen. I mean, I think that people expected Braun to win this more so than even Oscar with the uh, women's. And uh, it was just a way to get SNL's Michael Che and Colin Josh uh, out there to be a part of this. The thing is, I don't understand on an advertising perspective why Vince did this because apparently I don't watch SNL, but they didn't advertise the Royal Rumble at all. Uh, Throughout their news update thing, they didn't talk about it. So, basically, they just kind of helped SNL out by having the guys on there. It didn't seem like there was another thing um, with them, you know, kind of talking about WrestleMania. So, that's strange. That's weird. It was whatever. I don't remember anything that happened in this fucking match. Uh, I remember the end of it where uh, Braun Strowman threw Michael into, or, or, or Colin, who, whichever one, actually, because I don't watch SNL, so I don't know which one's which. Uh, over the ropes into a bunch of guys 
Everyone looked like geeks. Braun Strowman's the monster. He tried to pick up that trophy, and I think he was like, holy shit, this thing's heavy, because he almost dropped it immediately. It was kind of funny. I love Braun Strowman, uh, the monster among men, but uh, whatever. I'm glad that we're off the pre-show now, basically. (laughs) Chris, what would you think about this match? I mean, it was fine. That was their celebrity angle this year. I wasn't a huge fan because, like you said, I don't think it did anything um, for WWE to have those guys on. It wasn't advertised really anywhere. It didn't make news. It wasn't like when Ron Gronkowski was going to be there or in the past when they've had a big name. Even someone like Snooki, unfortunately, gained attention. These two guys didn't do anything for wrestling, so I didn't really care. And like you said, um, I'm not, I, I don't. I haven't watched the current iteration of Saturday Night Live in probably like one or two years, um, so I just not a huge affinity for it in general. Um, that being said, the the most memorable spot, unfortunately, was a botch where Mustafa Ali cracked his head against the table. So hopefully he's okay. But uh, out, outside of that, that was yeah. on the Luke, Luke Harper suplex. It was good seeing Luke Harper back. Hopefully they're going to do something cool with him. Um, other than that, it was one of these battle royals built around a celebrity spot. And uh, trying to rebuild up Braun, I think I'm okay with. I just don't know that this was the match to to do it in. Yeah, I almost forgot about that spot. Luckily, Mustafa Ali had that match with Ricochet and Alistair on SmackDown against um, Andrade, Shinsuke, and and Rusev Day. So I'm I'm assuming he was okay, but that was a scary spot. Great thing, Luke Harper. It sucked that we got him and Braun having a stare down, and then they didn't get to do anything with that. I thought it was a missed opportunity. But I love Luke Harper, so I I hope to see him doing something cool on one of these brands uh, soon. Um, But, yeah, uh, Jack, what did you think about this battle royal? I mean, this match was pure garbage. Um, I did like Luke Harper. Um, Other than that, like I said, missed opportunity with the stare down. If they wanted to build either Braun or Luke up, they should have had that uh, showdown, and they should have had Braun stay in the ring the whole match and just run through everyone instead of doing the same move they did with the Women's Battle Royale. Um, the SNL thing, they did a they did a one-line plug on Raw as well. So I don't know if this is like a paid thing, like SNL paid them or they're just trying to because it's New York, I, I don't know, but I think the celebrity spots need to stop being um, synonymous with in-ring action. It's just a waste to all the wrestlers that were in that match. I agree that there should be more stakes these as well. Maybe we'll get more energy. I, I, it, it was just garbage. Yeah, I, like I said, I wasn't a fan of it. Uh, Hoyt, did you like this battle royal? And did you like Braun Strowman huh? like eating SNL guys alive and then spitting them out like their bones and shit? No, I thought it was a joke. It should have been called like a Saturday Night Live advertisement. What it seemed like. Um, seems like they wasted Braun, in my opinion. It's two WrestleManias in a row. Because what do you do? Last year he tagged up with some kid. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I wasn't really a fan of it. It was it was okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too, is that Braun has now been built and, you know, very much not as – Braun's been worse than Becky, but, like, WWE knows how to get these guys that naturally get over and just do things to kind of simmer them. And Braun can turn heel and then having to come back, obviously, after when Roman had to leave, he just – he's still very loved by the crowd, but 
He could have had the title by now, and he's been reduced to last year winning the tag team belts with the referee's kid, and now this year winning the battle royal against SNL um, co-stars. Jeffrey, did you love this match? Maybe you're the uh, the, the shining light in this conversation. <laughs> You know what? With the Battle Royale, I enjoyed it, to be honest. But this is me. I like Battle Royals. Like, I, I genuinely do. What I didn't like where I'm on the same page with, I'm going to speak on behalf of my section. I feel like I was the voice of my, I think we was in 221 or 223. We was in one of those two sections. Um, excuse me, I'm sure you were. Uh, yeah, I was the voice of my section in terms of just scouting, looking at how everybody was feeling, listening to the chants and everything. And I think that, Everybody enjoyed it like me, the Battle Royale, especially there was a part where we really spiked with the Hardy Boys coming and Braun interaction. Like uh, I think that Hoyt even mentioned that was really got me excited. We thought it was going to be a Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy face-off, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. But then we forgot about, forgot the about other two <laughs> Saturday night, mm-hmm. uh, man. Um, the Luke Harper was real good. I was scared for Mustafa. Uh, life. There was a lot of moments in this Battle Royale that I enjoyed. It was just fun to me, but I didn't like the end. And that's when my crowd got antsy and the rest of the WrestleMania stadium got antsy because we was kind of like, wrap it up. Like, nobody's really getting hit for real. Like, everybody played it safe. It was boring. It was too much of a big fuss to care. But everything prior to that, so in my opinion, we didn't even need those Saturday night um, guys, to be honest. But I, I don't know who was entertained or who wanted that, but we was good. My section, we was good with the whole battle royal until they just dragged that last part along. But it was good seeing everybody, like, get eliminated in the interaction. So I enjoyed it up to that point. I'm just glad we're past it now. So let's start off with the main show. Uh, the show opened uh, with Alexa Bliss um, coming out and said that she was going to start a WrestleMania moment. So she introduced Hulk Hogan, who made a joke about how uh, – he actually he called the uh, arena the Silver Dome like he did a couple years before that. I was like, I'm just kidding. And then he called it the MetLife Center, which is pretty funny because that's not the name of the arena. Um, so I don't know if that was on purpose or he just did it. I just loved hearing Real American and Paul Heyman just saying, screw this, walking past it. And for you guys that were there, it got to have been pretty awesome to see the waddling penguin himself, Paul Heyman, walk down the giant ramp at WrestleMania to Real American to basically notify the audience that if him and Brock aren't in the main event, they're not sticking around. They need to get this shit done. Made a reference to Las Vegas. I'm pretty sure a lot of people took that as AEW. Pretty sure they were making a reference towards UFC. Uh, apparently, from what Dave Metzler said, that he's supposed to be having a match with DC in August. So he would be training for that soon. Um, either way, all of us, because of the last WrestleMania, thought, who knows? Maybe Brock will stay again and, you know, in an extension, do a couple more pay-per-views and go from there, and uh, that didn't happen. I could not believe this. I was, my jaw had dropped when this happened. At first, I was like, really? You know, after Finn Balor and AJ, Seth's just going to come there and just get destroyed by, by Brock real quick, and that's it. Like, I didn't expect us to have a bunch of great moments, honestly, because usually there's, like, bad and there's good. That's what they build up. they got to build up storylines for that, so I get it. So having, you know, Becky win, Uh, having Kofi win and having Seth win was not something I thought was going to be possible. And uh, not only did it happen, but with this match being the first match for the universal title and lo and behold, Seth Rollins gets it with three stomps, I believe, and is now your universal champion, Slade the Beast, Brock's gone, Paul Heyman, real American hero, you know, craziness. Anyways, Chris, what'd you feel? How'd you feel about this match? And what was your reaction 
when Seth won the match? I well, starting out with the intro of the match. I, I honestly, I was like, okay, Hogan did the Hall of Fame. He's probably going to do some sort of spot. So I kind of felt like that was coming. I love that Paul Heyman fucking no sold it and just walked straight down to the ring with the theme song still going. He acted like they didn't even fucking exist, which was just great selling on his part because he didn't care. He was basically was hijacking in story. He was hijacking mania. He's like, we're doing this match first. I don't, I don't give a shit about the rest of the show, which fits in with Brock Lesnar as a character and Paul Heyman just being his advocate. So I actually enjoyed the lead-up to it. The beatdown, I thought, was was fine. Um, and the ending with Seth Rollins winning, like I said, it was a total surprise. I, I honestly did not think that we were going to get the three fan favorites coming out. I thought for sure one of them would lose, and I kind of felt like it was just going to be Seth Rollins, um, just because Brock Lesnar has been a safety net for that title. And um, up until you know a few weeks ago, there was – DC was scheduled to be doing a bunch of other fights, which I think have fallen in and out of grace with the UFC and, and obviously with Meltzer talking about it. Um, it sounds like they're going to be trying to do that around July or August, which is would pretty much end anything that Brock is going to be doing in between there because he's going to be training up until that point. So, um, you know, it was great to see Seth Rollins win. It was good to see Brock Lesnar finally get beaten. I think the way they, they did it, you could say, well, you know, Brock Lesnar thought he had him beat, was just underestimating him. And you could build a storyline off that uh, if when he, if and when he probably comes back. I think he could still have a fun match. I'm a little sad because I wanted the Finn balor S match, but with Seth Rollins, because I think, like, you know, like I've been saying the past few pay-per-views Brock's been on wrestling these smaller guys, he's had really good matches and done a lot more than I would expect Brock to do. Um, so I was kind of hoping for more of that, but seeing Seth win, I guess, made up for it. So uh, I liked the match. I thought it, I thought it was fine for for what they went with and the angle leading into it. Yeah, I, I will say that that's one bittersweet quality about it um, is that you know seeing the Daniel Bryan match, Finn Balor match uh, last year with AJ, I was kind of looking forward to them pulling off that type of match, but I think they just wrapped it up real quickly, put a bow on it, try to save some time uh, for the nine million other fucking matches that would go uh, right afterwards, but um. Either way, um, Jack, what did you think about this match? Were you surprised that Brock lost, the Beast was slain, and that Seth Rollins won the title in that type of fashion that quickly into it? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised, actually. I figured or I predicted that all three of our um, people's champs would uh, come out on top. But... Um, I mean, I don't know. This match, I, I did like the whole Paul Heyman thing. That's classic Paul Heyman. That works well. Um, I did like that it was straight and to the point, and it got the, you know, it got the show going, hyped up, uh, straight out of the gates before the bloated mid-cards. So, I, I mean, I would have liked to have seen a better match, personally. Um, I'm not a fan of the three stomps. I'm, I mean, to be honest, I'm not really a fan of Rollins in-ring style. Um, I, I like his personality as a character, but I'm not a fan of his matches altogether. So, I mean, I guess it is what it is, but it's, I don't know. It worked. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't my favorite. It was another subpar match, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't think the match was meant to write home about, but, man, you're talking to a Rollins, Mark. i got to disagree with you on that respectively, but, you know, uh, teach their own. Um, but yeah, Hoyt, what was the reaction in the audience when, when Seth suddenly 
won the Universal Belt that quickly into the match? Uh, the crowd went wild, like what you'd think. Um, but for the most part, I thought the match was it was just kind of okay, real quick for me. Um, it just seemed like your typical Lesnar match that we've kind of seen in the last four years. Um, the ending was pretty strong, though, with him sneaking in the low blows and, and the three curb stomps. But um, it's just kind of weird that for the last five years, Roman's been the guy to be kind of like, all right, he's going to be the one to beat him. But, in fact, it's Seth that takes uh, the title away from him twice, both at WrestleMania. So, I don't know. I just think it's uh, Lesnar's time. I think he's going to be probably not going back for a little while. Um, it seems like his style's a little tired to me. So, Maybe we'll see what he gets into next, but it just seems like he's going to be away for a little bit. That was a very good point. I forgot that, you know, when he had the WWE title, uh, Seth cashed in Money in the Bank uh, during his and Roman's match, took that title away from him, and now he beat him with this. And not only that, I think that Brock has built-in ammunition if they ever want to come back to this because, you know, I forgot the low blow. You know, they had a ref bump, and then Seth went heel his shit like he did the previous Monday – and hit him in the balls, and then that's what caused him to be able to get it. But still probably, for people that are just, even if you're a Brock Lesnar fan, are just sick of this train of, of Lesnar trucking on, just being the champion there for the, the to be the marquee guy when he could just do that without a championship belt. This was fun to see the title change, but abruptly instead of a great match. Were you disappointed, Jeffrey, in not getting to see, like, an actual well-structured match and Seth picking up that title, or did you understand you know, the way they did it, and what was your reaction when Seth won? I have so many mixed reactions about the actual match because I do feel like it was well-structured, but it wasn't well-structured to my liking. That's the problem. Um, I I don't know what I would have wanted other than that. Like, Brock Lesnar... I don't think he got paid enough for even what he did in his head. Like, he, he probably felt like he did too much at WrestleMania, to be honest. I love his logic on if you're not if you're not last first. But I I think that the match made sense, to be honest. I guess. I think that what just threw me off was Seth Rollins and Brock has had interaction before. And now, all of a sudden, you have Beast Slayer superpowers. Uh, it just threw me off a little bit. I, I just can't let that sink in. But for the crowd... Speaking on behalf of the WrestleMania 121 crowd section and WrestleMania from the observation is that we all were a little confused <laughs> that that's it. And at, no, we were all like, that's it. That's the end. But the fact that Seth Rollins won, we just ignored that whole matchup and just celebrated because the right man won and the Beast Slayer. So it was kind of like for a quick pause, it was kind of like, that. that's it? And the next you know, everybody just went crazy, like, together. It was like, yeah. Like, we don't even care how it, how it ended quickly or the fast. It was just kind of like Seth won, and that was just the, the feeling after. But there was a little discontent, like, that's it. But it just went all out the window when Seth – because you have to keep in mind that over 80,000 people did burn it down together to kick off the show, and that was that was beautiful being a Seth Rollins fan. He said that's the worst – or the best thing that ever happened to him. He hated them adding that in there, and then when the, the audience – had that reaction of burn it down. It's one, it's probably the best thing that's happened to him because yeah, that was, uh, that was something I'll say that I, I did honestly want a more structured match. Like you were saying, Chris stuff that he did in the past with smaller guys, but we got that. We didn't get him in Dean Ambrose, thankfully. So I guess that's that. And, uh, set the champion Brock is on to go back to the UFC to fight DC. Let's move on to the next match. I think a match that a lot of people were looking forward to and some were let down by, 
uh, AJ Styles going against Randy Orton. I already know about y'all's section and the light glaring. Um, I think it's it's nice that Randy acknowledged that and said something about it on Twitter and apologizing, and then was a troll about it on SmackDown. I don't know if you guys watched it, but when after he attacks Mustafa Ali, he's going up and going, I can't see, I can't see. The light's blinding me. So Randy Orton playing the heel uh, like he normally does, but did genuinely apologize on Twitter on behalf of that. That would suck ass, and I'd be pissed if I was there and I couldn't see anything. Uh, but Styles went for a phenomenal forearm, but was caught by Orton in position for the RKO, then countered uh, that counter by dropping off the rope. Styles then hit the phenomenal forearm to win the match. Um, yeah, this match, I think, uh, kind of, I think it was a fun match. It was a fine match. Uh, I think this one and the McIntyre uh, Reigns match will be called uh, the term the raw. It's it's more of like a raw SmackDown match. I just think that they were, you know, if you cut out a Babe Ruth fucking segment, didn't need to be there or stuff like that you would have had a little bit more time for these matches to kind of, uh, you know, I thought the buildup for this was great. Match was good. Can't say that I, I didn't like it. I thought they could have played more off of the RKO almost coming from certain other things, but it was still pretty solid. Unfortunately, AJ injured himself from this. He hurt his hip. So we don't know how long he's going to be out for it. Either way, Chris, what do you think about AJ Styles going against Randy Orton? It was a very slow and deliberate match is what I'll say. Uh, it was very much an old school, what I would think of mid two thousands WWE match, specifically with Randy Orton, where he's working that very specific, deliberate, slow paced wrestling style that Orton tends to do. Um, I thought they did a lot of really good teases. I didn't think it was a bad match at all. I just kind of expected a little bit more, especially with them both being at mania, knowing that AJ did hurt his hip in this match. I don't know if they, uh, ended it quicker than expected or how that all played out. But, um, I mean, I thought the end, once, once they got towards the end of the match, it got better. But, uh, as someone that's never been a huge Randy Orton fan, uh, this seemed like a Randy Orton match more than it seemed like an AJ Styles match. That That's what I would say very much here. Here's Andy Orton's slow robotic type of pace that I'm not a huge fan of. Here's the spots that they're going to do. I did, like that they did the superplex spot and they did some really cool stuff around the turnbuckles, like I said, towards the end of the match. But outside of that, this was uh it was a good match. I, like I said, I enjoyed watching it, but I just kind of expected more. It, I was hoping more for uh, like Seth Rollins versus Orton uh, when they had their, their match uh, leading up to him winning the title actually later that night. But uh, I was expecting more something like that. And what we ended up with is what I consider is the prototypical Randy Orton match where it's not bad, but it's not great. I I can agree with that. Uh, Hoyt, were you you know happy to see that AJ Styles from Gainesville, Georgia, fucking bait Randy Orton? I was. I I, I thought the match again was just it was just kind of okay. Uh, my thing is you can kind of always tell when Randy Orton is losing at the, like a big event based on his emotions alone. When he's winning a match, he's usually full of energy. And when he's not, he doesn't really do anything. He kind of checks out. All his moves are like what um, he was saying. They were kind of robotic, just kind of going through the the motions. Doesn't really show anything with it. Um, even after doing a spot, he doesn't really sell anything. Um, he doesn't care. So um, it was okay. Uh, it just doesn't know what kind of the WWE wants to do with Orton anymore if he's just going to keep on checking out. You know, it just seems like he's kind of over it. Um, I don't know. He doesn't seem – he didn't seem excited in that match at all. And it probably threw him off too because our crowd, or a lot of the crowds on that side, were, were cheering just to turn the light off. So he probably got a little confused on some of the stuff that he was doing that didn't make sense to him. So it was a solid match, I thought, in the end. 
uh, Jack, uh, was this did this live up to what it potentially could have, or did you think this kind of lacked uh, between AJ and Randy? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this would have been a much better match 20 years ago. Um, I feel like I've seen him at SmackDown Hall shows through this match, so I kind of knew what to expect, but I feel like it was not a bad match, but it definitely needed more intensity, fast pace. Uh, I mean, can we get some more stipulation matches for these filler matches? Like, can we get tables and chairs out or something? Because a lot of these filler matches just seem like they're just running the ropes. You know, they're just kicking off the boxes and moving on. Um, so, it, I don't know. I was hoping being WrestleMania we could get a little more intensity. I don't know if that had something to do with uh, AJ's injury or if it was just Randy Orton checking out or I don't know, but it was another mediocre match in the end. But I loved the idea, and I did love the build-up, so I don't know, uh, a little bit of a disappointment. I definitely get it, you know. Um I think that the difference, you know, AJ and Randy are about the same age. I think they're both like 41, 42-ish around that. Uh, I think the difference is that AJ is a rock band that wants to keep on making new albums, even if, you know. All right, so AJ's the Foo Fighters, and um, uh, Randy's just kind of like the one that's touring and just doing the greatest hits, basically, and that's what they fucking, that's what they did, and you can definitely see that. Are we being too critical, Jeffrey? on all this with Randy Orton, or were you a little bit underwhelmed, especially with the light glaring in your eyes with this match? All of the above, yeah. This wasn't it. This is actually one of my least favorite uh, moments. After their entrances, after um, they don't want none, I hear voices, which uh, the entrance was very lackluster, so that didn't help either. Um, just the stage setup wasn't anything WrestleMania-like. But after that, like, singing along and seeing the entrances, like, that was it. Like, the lights. Uh, Kills it. The highlight of the match for me was the crowd coming together, and we had a song for the lights that Hoyt made me remember more so than me that he could probably break out. But uh, it was a really good tune that we have, and that was the highlight uh, for me. And uh, the light chance was good, but the, when they broke out a song and like created that on the spot about the lights, oh, because we had like Scott Lee in there as well, yeah, so they, 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 they tossed the rhythm. But um, nevertheless, uh, when the match was over, similar to the Seth and Brock, and we're going to talk about that later on as well, is that the story of WrestleMania for me was the endings. The endings was just like, that's it? <laughs> like, so many matches, it was like, that's it? And that was what the Randy or the AJ match was. Similar to the Seth and Brock that we talked about, it's kind of like, that's it? Like, this is how you're going to leave us? So um, I, I wasn't a fan of it. And I'd be negative because I love both of them. But I'm going to end it on this, is that when the kids are going through the history books and see Randy versus AJ at WrestleMania, they're going to be like, that's going to be so good. I can't wait to see it. I need to go back and watch it on the network, like looking at it on paper. And I feel like they're going to be so disappointed. But uh, like somebody said, 20 years ago, that was it. But <laughs> it wasn't it this year. And it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to redeem themselves either. That's unfortunate. All right, Hoyt, now i got to put you on the spot. What the hell's the song? And what what? Give us a little rendition of it right now. Right? It was just to the tune of uh, Seven Nation Army. Uh, I was like, oh, please turn the lights off. I was like something like that. And they just kept on going over and over again. 
And uh, it was really, really uh, funny because they had a bunch of different chants for it. And they did, WWE did listen for a couple seconds, and they turned one of the lights off, and we'd cheer, and then they'd turn the other light back on, and we'd, we'd boo, and it was, it was a really weird battle that we had going on ourselves. So, I, so, so audience members, I'm messaging back and forth with Hoyt because I'm trying to find out what the hell's going on in the audience for some of these shows that he was at because it wasn't anything to do with in the ring, and I can tell. And um, when he told me about the light, I was like, dude, send a tweet and tag WWE. And apparently a lot of people did that. Um, so I guess that worked to an extent. But, uh, yeah, uh, that damn light. Uh, it's like Lord of the Rings or some shit. Let's move on. All right, so Lacey Evans showed up and did absolutely nothing again. I guess it would work out and run SmackDown for her. And then we got to the Fatal 4-Way for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Usos champions went in and went against the bar. Uh, Rusev and Nakamura and Ricochet and Aleister Black. Ricochet and Aleister Black, I said last night, are the greatest champions or the greatest, the worst greatest tag team champions because they had three title shots for all three uh, shows belts and lost them consecutively. Raw, uh, NXT Takedown, and then obviously this. Probably because they're not supposed to be a tag team, but still they work great together. This was a fun uh, tag match. Pretty solid, especially, you know, compared to the one at G1 Supercard. I thought for a four-way tag match, as both of them pulled off good, because usually they, they can get sloppy and crappy, but I should have known Usos were involved, and they're incredible. They retained the championship after a double super kick and the double top rope splash on Sheamus. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this tag match? Usos win, and then they uh, lost them to the Hardy Boys on SmackDown, but we'll talk about that. I actually really enjoyed the match. I thought it had a lot of energy. There was good back and forth. I thought all the floor work that uh, Shinsuke and Rusev were doing, there were some neat. I like the Usos retaining, even if they did, like you said, lost, uh, end up losing the titles. Um, like I said, I think a lot of that had just had to do with the shakeup and then teams leaving different brands, et cetera. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. I thought it was a lot of fun. It, it gave me a little bit of energy after watching the AJ Styles Orton match, which I said, I, like I said, I didn't hate, but it, it didn't wow me. And I expected a little bit more. And this I kind of expected less out of. And I think they gave me more than I asked for. So I, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a fun match. And, and, like, and like you said, with Aleister Black and Ricochet, I'd almost see them, if they end up on the same brand, this is a good way to break up the tag team because they have lost so many of these opportunities or, or are given these opportunities and then they lose. So, you know, you can start the dissension and build a feud between the two if you wanted to to give those guys something to do. If they end up on different brands, obviously they'll just split the tag team and, and that'll be the end of that. But I think this gives them an out either way with the way that they've been booked. So, um, yeah, overall, I liked it. Uh, I'm still not huge on Rusev and Nakamura. It's not that they're bad. It just They're just like a random team squashed together. Why? Uh, yeah, yeah, more and more of that. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, other than that, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. That's a situation where it's like, hey, Rusev, a year ago, everyone loves him. Everyone's screaming Rusev Day. Hey, we're going to take Aiden English away from you. And then we're going to make you go against Nakamura. You guys are going to have this heated rivalry. And then, for some reason, just make you heal and put you in a fucking tag team together. Huh. Makes a lot of sense. Either way, I digress. Jack, what did you think about this tag match? Were you happy to see the Usos win? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a fun match. It brought the pace back after Orton's style, so... You know, the right people won. Um, it wasn't going to be Rusev and Nakamura because, like you said, what the hell is going on there? They have no idea what they're doing with Rusev or Nakamura. Um, so there was no way they were going to win. Uh, Alistair and Ricochet obviously weren't going to win because this is just a temporary showcase 
uh, into the shakeup um, and the bar. Um, I mean, I could have seen the bar winning, but uh, I think the right people won with the Usos, and it was a fun match. You know, you had Rick Shane and Alistair Black who work well together, fast-paced, high-flying, uh, hard-hitting. Usos, the bar, both high-flying and hard-hitting. So it, it was a good mid-card match, beginning mid-card match. But, again, nothing too special in the whole setup. Uh, I mean, we've seen this matchup on SmackDown and Raw uh, countless times. So I think they need to lean a little bit away from the fatal four-way now. Uh, it's just one of those things that they're, they're getting, you know, they're tiring out and uh, – that's about it, really. It was an okay match. Yeah, uh, Hoyt, what did you think about the match in the audience? Did were you uh, were you a fan of of this tag match? I was a fan of it, just like what they were saying. It kind of brought the energy a little bit, um, but it was just a typical match, and nothing too crazy about it. Uh, just a bunch of bodies flying around. But uh, I'm glad the, Us- the Usos retained it. Um, but I mean, it was just kind of your normal high flying little match there. Um, I kind of wish SmackDown brand probably, you know, would have went with like a one-on-one style match instead, but I thought it was kind of refreshing. Agreed. What we just watched. See, that's the thing is I thought that we were going to get what we got on SmackDown. The Usos hinted that that would happen at Mania, and that would have made a lot of sense. And originally, you know, Chris was alluding to this, we were going to get the revival because they screwed over Aleister Black and Ricochet against each other for the Raw titles, and they changed it up to get the hometown heroes their little push, which was fine. But, yeah, I think this did – four ways are hard to pull off with tags. Now, they did it pretty well because the bar has worked with the Usos a bunch, and Aleister Black and Ricochet are amazing, and Shinsuke and, and, and uh, all of them are good. But, uh, yeah, I think that just a solid one-on-one match for the same amount of time between the two, like Hardys or even Ricochet and whoever, would have been probably better. Hey, Jeffrey, I know that you got to get out of here. Uh, did you want to comment on this tag match and then say goodbye to the people? Man, I appreciate you coming out. No problem. Thank you, guys. It was great listening to everyone. I love the fact that the Usos won. Going from the pre-show on the main card, winning once again. I'm so happy for the Usos. I'm so happy they got that moment. This was a great tag team matchup, and I'm glad to be going out on this note because I feel like I've been salty the the past few matches throughout the pre-show and the opening contest, but the Fatal 4-Way is what I really enjoy, and I missed G1 last um, last night, but nevertheless, I compared that to the G1 Fatal 4-Way tag team matchup. Both of them was excellent. Like, it's not even a comparison. Both of them was just great, in my opinion. So, SmackDown tag team titles, they really held it down, and I thought that Alistair Black and Ricochet might, might have won, and I wouldn't have been mad, but at the same time, the Usos did their thing, and I just really enjoyed the contest. That's what I'm talking about for WrestleMania. That's what I, that's what I wanted to see going into the MetLife Stadium. I got you. All right, man. Well, I uh, appreciate you joining us. Do you got any plugs to do before you get out of here? Yes, you can follow me on all social media, starting off on YouTube, Twitter. Those are the two most active. Well, I'm active on Facebook, too, and on IG as well. If you love independent wrestling and mainstream wrestling, uh, that is J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-S-H-O-W-L-I-V-E on all social media platforms. And if you can't remember all that, then just type in .com behind, and that's the website, and you can click on it. So I appreciate it, you all. All right, buddy. Have a good night, man. And we'll have you on soon. All right, guys. We'll continue. Uh, Afterwards, the uh, WWF Hall of Fame class 2019 uh, came out. 
I think the funniest moment, I'm glad to see Brett up there. Obviously that whole thing happened and uh, he looked in good spirits. And um, I, I thought it was really funny when Triple H was getting pissed off because X-Pac was over on the other side of the stage and he was trying to get that last photo of DX. And hey, hey, no, Sean, oh, Sean, come over here. Like he's just fucking angry dad. It was great. I, I love Triple H. Anyways, uh, after that, we had a Falls Count Anywhere match, Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Now, I will admit, I kind of poo-pooed this match a little bit too quickly. Uh, I messaged Chris pretty much immediately. He's like, why the fuck are we watching this shit? <laughs> like, really, they're going to waste time on this? It progressed into a pretty damn good hardcore match. Um, but it, the thing is, it's like they could have cut a lot of fat, I think, and got to the heavy meat of them destroying the uh, tables for all the announcers that do it from every other country, uh, which I don't think a lot of them knew that that was going to happen and kind of got out there um, just sooner, I believe. Uh, not trying to be a stickler, but I don't care about the big potato face dad of, 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 of from The Miz, uh, all that. And I don't need Shane to do all these friggin' bumps. I'm glad he didn't do the fucking elbow drop through the announce table. But having him get smashed off that balcony, uh, you know, that was crazy. And then obviously they climbed that tall scaffold thing and fell off the top onto pillows, which uh, if you're recording it, I know that they need to get the pin, but probably did need to do a wide, huge shot for all of us watching over TV to be like, oh, okay, well, those are just pads. Obviously there were going to be something, but I don't know what the hell they did back in the day. I think they put a pad on top of tables so they'd be broken. I don't know what the fuck they did. They probably did the same thing. Either way. Chris, did you did you love this match? Did it tickle your fancy? Uh, no, I didn't like the match at all. I think you could have cut the three-minute segment with Mrs. Dad out and just had a good match that started at those announce tables and then worked its way back to the ring or just started up there because the majority of the match was up there to begin with, and, and then it was just built around the storyline of Mrs. Dad, which I haven't cared about at all. Um, and then – for Shane to win, it's almost like that you're saying you're going to continue this feud, which I I really don't want. Um, I will say there that the table, the, the scaffold, the scaffold spot at the end, Miz and Shane both did a really good job of teetering. Um, I have heard that in the arena that the scaffold wasn't very high, <laughs> but on TV it looked like they were forever up there, um, like way ass up in the air, but. Um, I think the way the Miz did the superplex, teetering off of it and then slamming through, I thought was fine. I didn't like the fact that he ended up taking the pin or eating the pin there just because it, it's going to continue this feud. Um, yeah, I don't know. This it, it's, it wasn't bad. It was just weird booking. Like the Miz being the super aggressive guy that Shane is running away from is weird knowing that he's been – thrown through glass by Kurt Angle and had the same kind of match with Big Show and has recently had matches with people like, you know, Kevin Owens and a Hell in a Cell. People that are should be way more scary than The Miz because Miz has been and will always be kind of a chicken shit heel. So even the psychology part of the match didn't work for me. So just as a as a fan of, of both of these guys through different times of my life, I, I just, you know, it, it was just weird to see Miz be an aggressive baby face and Shane run from him like a scalded dog. Um, and then I, like I said, I didn't really much care for the finish. So that that's how I feel about it. But uh, I know some other people like this match a lot. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. Um, I'm like you, I just didn't believe any of it. 
I think Miz is amazing on the mic. I think he killed or he cut some killer promos uh, leading up to this. He did everything he's supposed to do. But yeah, the chicken shit aspect kind of kills it. And seeing Shane McMahon run away from it, it's just kind of silly. Um, Hoyt, tall was that scaffold? Was it really not that tall and just didn't look as devastating as it did on TV? And how did I'll you like that? I'll be honest with you, I couldn't really see the scaffold. It was on the other side of the pylon from where I was at. So I was watching it from the screen. So of course, on the screen, it looked pretty high up. I didn't see it in person there. Um, as far as what I thought about the match, um, my argument's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Miz is a full-time wrestler, and Shane isn't. So it's kind of like Shane wrestles, what, five or six times a year, and Miz is kind of always ass. out there busting his ass, trying to trying to get out there and, and really make a name for himself. It just kind of seems like um, Shane shouldn't really be in the ring all the time, you know? It's like Mary Roll, stay out of the ring, and uh, Miz's career just kind of took a big step back to me, it seems like, sometimes. You know, it's like you kind of take a couple steps forward, and then this one just goes backwards just because it was un- it's not needed, especially with his dad on there. Um, it just was a lot extra. But I, I didn't really care for the match. I guess the only thing that maybe saved it for me from watching where I was at on the TV screen was the spot off the scaffolding, but that's about it. Yeah, I think that all of this is just because of Miz and Mrs. and the fact that people are liking Miz, so they decide to, you know, put him into a babyface style role, which is fine. What would have worked out, and obviously I like the the outcome of Kofi winning, but would have been perfect is if Daniel Bryan as a heel, you know, going against the Miz as a babyface, they switch roles completely. That seemed like it had more story behind it if they were going to do something like this. Obviously they didn't decide to. Uh, Jack, uh, did you like this match, or was it kind of, you know, just a long uh, walk around the arena, scaffold, and then off of it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, this actually ends up being one of the better matches on the card, but again, we have a match that is just on paper, seems like it'll be awesome, but the execution just isn't there, um, like you said, Miz cut great promos. But other than that, um, you know, the whole dead aspect, uh, Shane being in the ring still. I mean, I, I just haven't been behind any of this story for months uh, since the beginning. So, And I thought they were going to abandon this heel Shane gimmick. I, I don't know. It, it, I think the announcer table thing, I, uh, the golf cart, you know, the scaffolding, I think there was some good spots in here, but... Again, it's missing the intensity and uh, aggression. So I, I, it was just an all right match. And um, the outcome kind of ruined it. It would have been better without that um, Shane getting the pin. I, I get that they wanted to give us another surprise ending like they had all night because it's WrestleMania. But I don't know, maybe just do it differently. I don't know. It, it was all right. No, I definitely agree with you. And, uh, yeah, it was whatever. Um, then we'll move on to another match. I just, man, it's, it's, it's making, I really did enjoy this WrestleMania, and they had a lot of fun matches. But this next match, another one where I was like, all right, I was already going into it just being pessimistic. But we had the Fatal 4-Way for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. The, I- the Iconics! Um, the Boston Hub Connection, who are the champions, Nia Jackson, Tamina, and Beth Phoenix, Natalia were in a four-way tag match because, obviously, like we said before, those work out so well. Um, 
especially when you have to slow down the pace uh, for for certain participants. Um, and I'm not, people might think I'm talking about certain other ones. I'm talking about the ones that won it, actually. And I like the Iconics. I think they're a good duo. They're just, they're there to me uh, when it comes to the actual wrestling. It was really cool to see Bret Hart make an appearance, his music coming on, uh, to support, um, you know, Beth Phoenix and his niece, Natalia. Um, but Phoenix did a, grand, uh, a glam slam off the second rope, and Bailey went for a pin, but the Iconics tossed her outside and stole it themselves to win the match. Classic heel winning. Um, I felt bad for Bailey and Sasha, and after reading Sasha's tweet, uh, I'm not trying to read too much into it, because like I said, it could be about family, it could be about many things. It just seemed like it was uh, pretty appropriate that, you know, uh, it was right after this match. But Iconics won. They are really emotional. Whatever. Chris, what did you think about this match? Were you over the moon like the uh, like that one McDonald's song or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> no, I was not over the moon. Um, you know, and I want to go on record as saying this WrestleMania is better than the last two. So me having nitpicking it, <laughs> I don't want people to get the wrong idea because I think that this mania was better than the previous two um, all around. But, yeah, this uh, <laughs> this match was I knew going in it was probably going to be my least favorite match, and it was my least favorite match. I think they did a good job building up uh, Beth Phoenix as, you know, a, a star, as a Hall of Famer, um, and she had some really nice spots. I think that she was, to me, was the best worker in the match. Um, there was a scary spot where you had Bailey do a double knee, on, I think, on both the Iconics that they kind of botched that was just gnarly-looking. Um Nia and Tamina basically did nothing. As far as I remember, they were kind of just there. They didn't eat, like, they never seemed intimidating because they haven't been booked that way, in my opinion. Like, not enough for me to think that they had a legitimate shot. Uh, and the Iconics came out with a win who, I they're just annoying and they're not that great in the ring, in my opinion. Um, maybe they'll get better. Hopefully, if they have a good heel run against some good tag teams, it'll be great. So far with this, the the women's, tag team after the initial match it, it just seems like an afterthought and this is basically you know the same match without the elimination chamber you're doing another fatal four-way um and this match wasn't was worse in my opinion so uh to me this is probably my least favorite match of the of the night outside of the men's battle royal which i just like i said i consider that more of a celebrity spot than a match so you liked it okay yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I completely understand. Um, Hoyt, what did you think about this match? Um, and uh, do you find the Australian Aussie girls, the Iconics, annoying as shit, like a lot of people? Uh, a little bit, I guess. Um, it just didn't seem all that exciting to me, I don't think. But I mean, I'm glad that they, that they won as far as um, – I don't know. It, it it didn't have as much energy to it to me. And to be honest, I think this might have been the time when I went to the bathroom. So uh, I came back to music playing, and I, I, I don't think it was that exciting to me. So. <laughs> I, I, it was I my get it. Spot. You picked a good bathroom. Go. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. You picked a good, good bathroom. <laughs> uh, bathroom one, yeah. Um, I think that – I think part of it – I don't know why – Iconics would have made a big impact if they were the first ladies to win in the Elimination Chamber 
and then you give that to Becky and Sasha so they can do damage, and they're two good wrestlers that can pick them up at WrestleMania and take them. Um, I don't know. Hindsight, hindsight 2020, doing booking, um, you know, by myself compared to being paid for it, whatever. Jack, how did you like this match, and were you happy that the Iconics won it? Yeah, um, actually, I actually liked the ending. I, I liked that the Iconics won it, and uh, I because of that ending, I actually like this match. It's pretty up there on my uh, card ranking, but I will say that other than the finish and my reaction, um, it was a pretty trash match. Um, so, okay, we got Elimination Chamber, and we picked that apart hellaciously. Uh, pretty much the women's tag team division hasn't been getting any um, development. So we come to WrestleMania, what, six weeks later now? Still no development. Um, Nia Jax and Tamina shouldn't have even been in the match. I can understand Beth and Natalia because of WrestleMania to make it a triple threat then, if anything. Um, as far as the Iconics going forward, uh, I like their persona. They do need to dial it down just a few notches and then they could be gold. Um, as for their in-ring performance, I think Peyton Royce is better. She'll be able to carry that team within a year or two. Um, but I, oh fuck, I can't even remember the other one's name right now. Um, but yeah, she's not all that great. So it, I don't know. It's going to be tough, but I feel like they need to start working with two teams at a time and just doing like four months rivalry runs uh, instead of just tossing a bunch of them in there and you know, I, I don't understand why we can't just focus on story and we got to have participation, you know? No, I, I agree completely with you. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with you also that, that Billy Kay definitely is more the, I think, the better person on the mic, why Peyton is definitely, I think, more athletic uh, in the ring. But, you know, it'll be interesting, but, you know, I'm starting to think, Chris, you were right, man, that maybe this tag division wasn't good. I mean, I was like, well, they got nothing to do with all these ladies. And you're like, yeah, but look what they're doing with the men's tag divisions. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you're right. And now we got this. But shit happens to good people. Let's move on to a match I think all of us are excited to talk about, and that is the WWE Championship match. We had Kofi Kingston going against Daniel Bryan for the belt after all these hurdles that Kofi had to jump over and all these things and, you know, getting the New Day involved, uh, this storyline finally gets wrapped up in a pretty awesome bow with a great match between two competitors. It was, you know, I had my all three, all the big three uh, championship wins, and I'm I'm not trying to not count Seth because that's a big win, but – more meaningful was Kofi Kingston, Kazuchika Okada, and Johnny Gargano. And uh, this one, I think, was the number one. I think that after the match, I was so happy, so excited. I was pretty sure it was going to happen. I was like, it better fucking happen, honestly. I know Daniel Bryan also, I don't think, would have any problem, you know, giving that title to Kofi. And it was organic what happened with him. Kofi's awesome, man. Got a lot of uh, similar traits. Booker T, 
to Ricky Steamboat, um, to Daniel Bryan, uh, as, as weird as that sounds. But I love this match. I loved afterwards and bringing the kids in. You know, I just love it that even though, obviously, we're not idiots, it's all scripted. But when the person goes into that match and all their focus is, we got to put on a great match for the audience. And then it's like it hits them like, wow, I've done this finally and I've gotten this belt to prove that I am the top guy. Um, it's pretty special for certain people, and this is one of those moments. And Kofi broke barriers, man, the first African-born WWE champion, and that's that's huge. Um, just crazy. I love getting rid of the old title and getting back the new one. Like, it's so much better. I think that was the point, though. Um, and I'm curious what's going to happen with Daniel Bryan after this, where him and Rowan are going to go. If they're going to jump to a different place or if they're just waiting uh, to attack Kofi in the New Day. Um, you know, we didn't see them on SmackDown or Raw, for that matter. Uh, either way, Chris, great match. Um, have any highlights? What do you think about it? I thought it was a really well-worked match. I, I tend to have liked their first match a little better. Um, the one at, uh, was it fucking Fastlane, I guess is the name of the pay-per-view. Um, whatever, the pay-per-view before this. I, I, tend, I liked that match a little bit better up until the ending of this match where Daniel Bryan is just legitimately kicking the shit out of Kofi by one arm, and Kofi just continues to ask for more. And he just won't quit, and it, it it resonates almost like what you what we have seen in the past in Omega Okada matches to to a little bit where you know different because Omega was booked kind of top for a long time, um, but the same same outcome like you know he lost to Okada two like two times previously. He generally has been getting the shit kicked out of him the majority of the matches and, and never able to quite get there, even if he can survive, you know. So it was it, – to me, it harkened back to that a little bit the last, like, five minutes, very new Japan, where there's just no quit left. There's no, there's no quit in Kofi. Even if he's on autopilot, he's still going to be fighting. He's bas- He basically sold it so well that he made it seem like he was going to either die or get the title. And then when he when – he, you know – had Daniel down kicking him in the face. It was just a really great moment. I thought there was some great imagery. Daniel Bryan is just masterful at telling a story. Um, I could have done without Rowan in New Day. I wish they were kind of banned until after the match, and then New Day comes out uh, for the celebration moment, just because even teasing that there might be a fuck finish in this match just dialed it back a little bit for me. But outside of this, I mean, I this was probably my favorite match of the weekend because for so long, even not even Kofi winning a title, but just him winning a money in the bank or him winning a Royal rumble, like the matches that he's been so associated with for his entire, almost his entire career at this point and never being put over, even though he is the huge star of the match um, was always offensive to me. So when we used to do, when we, in the past, when we've done the prediction shows, I jokingly say Kofi Kingston and how awesome it would be if Kofi Kingston wins. So for him to win this title is even bigger, obviously, and fucking incredible, and I loved it. And uh, a part of it is just being a fan of Kofi for so long, and part of it is they told a really great story, especially when it was kind of thrown together. Um, and, it, and it shows what you can do when a crowd gets behind someone and what you can tell in a wrestling match, um, in a small feud, in, in a singles match for this matter with a lot of other stuff on this card. I think that they showed, like, you know, at the end of the day, wrestling is wrestling. If you have a clear-cut good guy and a clear – shitty heel 
you know, white hat, black hat, you can tell a really good story. And um, I think they were able to accomplish this. And much like you said, the celebration afterwards, I thought was absolutely awesome. Kofi's kids in the ring, um, Xavier crying almost immediately as soon as the bell rung, uh, being that he's been, his entire thing is getting Kofi the belt, not getting himself the belt or breaking up this whole thing. And, and then being such a tight, or what's seemingly tight at least, brothers in arms. Um, and Kofi getting the win was just, it was amazing. I, I loved it. I think it's one of the best WrestleMania matches probably since Daniel Bryan won the title, which wasn't a great match in itself, but it was a great moment, especially if you were a Bryan fan going back to that WrestleMania. But um, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I'm, I'm still just, it, it is awesome match. And um you know, it's going to be a lot of fun with the New Day uh, going forward with Kofi now with that belt and, uh, you know, Big E with those splits. Um, I don't know how that man does that. That's that's amazing. Anyways, um, Hoyt, how did you like this match? Uh, and um, how, like, all right, the basically from your, you know, vantage point in the audience, between Becky winning, between this, between Seth, was this the biggest pop in the audience? This was absolutely the biggest pop in the audience. People were waiting for it. They wanted it, and it's exactly what happened, basically. I mean, you just everyone went wild. Um, but I think you, you really need to give credit to Daniel Bryan because he was a great opponent. Um, he really did sell the match as far as being emotionally driven. Like, he really wanted to put Kofi over as well. Absolutely. And just really made the match um, really compelling. Um, I thought, just because of that, I mean, you felt like Kofi legitimately accomplished something from it. So um, I thought the match had a lot of energy to it. People were really into it. They were on the edge of the – literally on the edge of the seats. People are standing up like they're going. And as soon as he wins, I mean, the place just went crazy. And it was a, it was a pretty cool moment just because um, – I don't know if I could speak on this behalf, but on behalf of, like, the African-American community, it's kind of like it's a big moment for, for that as well. And you could tell. Like, I mean, people were crying. I mean, it was, a, it was a huge, huge deal to be there just to witness and see it. And it just – you know, you could feel it. Like, it was just electrifying in there. So – um, I really enjoyed the match. I do think it was um, the best match of the night. And as far as crowd response, it was it was amazing. Everyone was really into it. So um, that's is my approval. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jack, what did you think about this match, man? Yeah, so um, this was probably the best match of the night. Um, so I actually, back way before the Nation Chamber, um, I predicted the Elimination Chamber original lineup with Ali, but I had stated that I wanted Kofi to uh, be in it um, instead of Ali because I thought Ali was too fresh. Then he gets injured and put in it, so I'm like, all right, Kofi at Elimination Chamber. Uh, He puts on a great match. Didn't happen, so I was like, all right, Kofi Mania. Um, Then they're working to put him over, which I didn't feel he needed to be put over. Um, but they did, and it worked, and it, it was a great few weeks leading up to it, great story. Um, but then, even though this match was great, I feel like it was a step below some of those matches. So that brings it down a little, but ultimately, I loved the match. I loved the finish. I loved the celebration. Um, it's not so much... Uh, African-American culture thing, I don't think. I think the big argument that, you know, the first full black champion or whatever, you know, some of us argue Mark, Mark Henry, Booker T, 
and then they'll say, you know, that wasn't the WWE championship. But the reality is, and if you paid attention, the head exhibitor was painting it. The WWE championship is the World Heavyweight Championship, and the WWE is the Universal. So, you know, it's top title, it's top title, and those titles got switched anyway. So technically, this is the same title that Mark Henry won. Um, just thought that'd be a nibbit, but it's big for WWE fans. Kofi's been great for a long time, so, you know, it was a good moment. Good match, good story. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, the uh, lineage of the titles uh, goes back a little bit of a ways, but the World Heavyweight title uh, shares lineage to the NWA title. It was the WCW's uh, big gold belt that went back and, you know, the original NWA title. Uh, and they dissipated it, and that's why I guess they started revitalizing the actual original NWA title outside of WWE, but they had the rights of it, obviously, because of buying out WCW. So the WWE heavyweight title, the same one that Hulk Hogan had, that Bruno San Martino had, that title throughout its lineage, the only one um, was The Rock, who is half Samoan, half African-American. So technically, for the WWE title, the, the main title for the WWE, even though obviously they all digress into each other, that lineage of that title, he is the first full-blooded African champion. So that's probably where the distinction is well, um, well, of here's... The, the difference in opinion. I get you. But I just wanted to point out that 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 title actually is, if we're speaking on it, you know, top title. The Universal is that is the WWE World Heavyweight um, now, because that's the Raw title, right? That's the that's the top of the top titles, and then the no, one that the uh, WWE Mark Henry. Go ahead. They 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 completely took that one out, the big gold belt, and the uh, the universal is a completely new title. That's why Finn Balor was the first universal champion. It doesn't share any lineage with the other ones, a new title, because, like I said, they decided since it didn't really tie a lot with the WWE, the big gold belt itself, the world heavyweight title that dates back all the way till Frank Gotch and um, and George Hackenschmidt, if you will, uh, back in the in the 30s. That one's uh, separate from the WWE one that started off, I believe. Orville Brown was the first champion. It doesn't matter. Either way, when the WWE said, screw you guys, we're going to do our own thing, and we're going to be just as big with the NWA, that was their lineage title. So the one on SmackDown is that WWE title lineage, and the Universal is a restart, if you will, for a top title within the company. Technically, probably considered higher in Vince's eye than the WWE title on SmackDown. Right. That's may I may I uh, inter- interject? The now the top title, and sure. the WWE is now the secondary title. So that ranking doesn't really make sense anymore now that they did the switch. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I but we're know. basically talking brand title versus title lineage, and none of it really matters because yeah. at the end of the day, Kofi is someone that for 11 years never had a shot, was huge at every large event, so if you're talking about Money in the Bank or TLC or Royal Rumble has had so many highlight moments over the years, has always been over with the fans, is part of New Day, which has consistently been one of the biggest draws for WWE. If anyone earned a title, it would be fucking Kofi Kingston. So even if we take all of the race out of it or the lineage of the fucking belts, this is still a great storyline. And that's kind of been my point of it the entire time is the story itself is that Kofi Kingston is a workhorse, has done everything he can for this company, I would say. 
and came out the winner. And that's fucking great. And to win it from Daniel Bryan, another guy that you could put that same <laughs> kind of package around, um, made it even better. But I get what both of you are saying. One is the lineage of the title, and the other is which one is on which brand. And I think for this storyline, you know, you tell what you want. WWE doesn't care about their history. They rewrite histories every six months on how they want the story to be presented. So I don't care as much about that as it's a big moment no matter what. And if they want to associate it with that title and other people want to associate it with that title, let that be their thing. My thing is I've watched Kofi for 11 years kill himself in multiple matches. Seeing him win a title is fucking incredible and something I never thought would actually happen, but I absolutely loved it. And I thought the match itself was amazing. And it, it has the shadow aura of this around it, and I'm glad that he didn't lose because I think we – you could have the same great match and it go the opposite way in conversation. Yeah, I agree. I think the Perhaps. point that I was just trying to come across was that uh, in the same sense, it doesn't matter what title or, uh, you know, what's your belief of why it should happen. I think everyone can agree for some reason that Kofi Kingston needed to win this match. And we all are glad he did. Absolutely. Uh, M- Michael Hoyt, I know that you got to get out of here. Good, sir. I appreciate you joining us, and you probably left at the uh, a good leaving point for WrestleMania with that last match. Uh, thanks for coming on, man, and uh, say goodbye to the wonderful audience out in Geek Vibes Nation. Definitely. I appreciate being here with Geek Vibes Nation. So uh, look forward to uh, talking to you guys soon. Absolutely. And this is probably going to be the nicest I ever talked to you uh, in life, so just uh, don't get used to this at all. So I'll... Uh, no worries. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Have a good night. Uh, I'm a terrible person. Anyways, but uh, yeah. And uh, just to kind of wrap up a bow on that last conversation, all I was saying is that there are a lot of people that are happy specifically for that reason and for many reasons, and I think all of them should be celebrated and happy for any type of accomplishment, especially seeing Kofi get a, cha- a championship. So regardless, at least we got that outcome. Uh, the next match, well, we first had this weird thing where Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are apparently doctors, uh, and Alexa Bliss is also the CEO of WWE um, because she offered them up uh, for them, and for some reason, Kevin wanted to do a uh, prostate exam on them. Uh, yeah, that was that was cool, a rectal exam, yeah. Anyways, U.S. title match, didn't see this coming, but I get why they did it. And I think it was a smart maneuver, even though I love Rey Mysterio. Samoa Joe, the champion, came out. And basically, Rey went for one move, and it was over. Kalina clutch. Mysterio tapped out. It was probably under a minute, I believe. Um, and we gained the championship. Uh, we know that it was reported Rey was hurt for this, a little bit beat up. So, obviously, that might have been, hey, we, we, need, we need to do something a little bit quicker, save some time. We're going to do it this way. I know the original intention was to get Ray and Andrade on the card, and that didn't work out, I guess, for whatever reason they wanted him to go against Joe. And then Ray hurt himself, so he couldn't even do it against Andrade on SmackDown leading up to Mania. So, unfortunately, um, this is the outcome. But, hell, it makes, it makes Samoa Joe look like that much more of a devastating badass. Jack, did you like this match, man? Yeah, I mean, I love this match, actually. It was another quick and to the pace, so it helped, you know, the bloated mid-card. Um, obviously, Ray was hurt. 
But uh, he did get in there and do a couple spots real quick, that, you know, classic Ray. And uh, and he really put Samoa over right now with that clutch making it deadly, which is much needed because Joe's been buried for a while. Um, I liked it. I, it did the job, the, the whole sell with Joe it, during the clutch, you know, the heavy breathing, choking him out in like three seconds. It was, it, it worked. It was great. Yeah, it was straight to the point and delivered exactly what the message he was supposed to send. Chris, what do you think about this match with Samoa Joe? He he almost killed Ray. He really did. <laughs> I actually liked the match because there was always there was already rumors that Ray was hurt going into it. Um, unfor- I mean, it's unfortunate because Ray it was hurt because they would have had a great match either way. And I wanted the storyline with Ray's son sitting at ringside, watching Joe just absolutely demolish him because you're going to get you would have gotten Joe promos afterwards, which would have been really good and kind of been a fun feud with Joe and Ray. But obviously we can reset this either way. And uh, it ended up making Joe look super strong, beating Ray Mysterio in under a minute, which he can lead that into a promo. And, and you know, Ray even having the testicular fortitude, as Vincent Ray would say, to come out and do the match, hurt, not feeling all there, and uh, hitting the spots that he did hit, the 619 and, and a couple other spots until he got choked out. I thought it was fun. Uh, it, it definitely broke it up, and I don't think it was what people were expecting. So, uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was a good match, especially for such a short match. They accomplished a lot storyline. But then again, it's Samoa, and, Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio, so I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, absolutely. This next match was, I, I kind of referenced it earlier, a lot of people consider it like a Raw SmackDown match. Uh, now finding out, you know, we had Roman Reigns defeating Drew McIntyre in a pretty short match straight to the point. Um, that Drew had been a little bit sick previous before this, that that might have shortened the length of this. Maybe that's speculation to give credit for these guys. Maybe they were rushed because of time. Not 100% sure. It seemed like this match never really got a chance to uh, get going. But it was it was there, I guess, you know. Um I don't know if that's a really good term, but Roman Reigns got the win over Drew. I thought they could have put over Drew to make him look that much more like a monster. Uh, but, you know, Roman obviously just defeated, uh, you know, leukemia. So kudos to have him back on the uh, the card. Uh, I just want to make uh, – I wanted Hoyt to, you know, or, or Jeffrey to talk about this because they were there. But apparently a lot of people thought that they were booing Roman Reigns throughout the match. Um, it's not so much uh, – it's better situation. What actually happened was that they kind of just got disinterested because everyone was so burned out after the Kofi match that people try to start a wave, and then you'd have people that were actually into it. I would be one of these stickler motherfuckers, just to let you know, that wouldn't keep on going with the wave, so people would boo the people for not continuing with the wave. I don't get why people go to wrestling events to fucking make the audience think their their own thing. I fucking hate beach balls, and I hate people that do that type of crap. But whatever. I digress. Chris, uh, what did you think about this match? I thought it was a good match for what it was. I thought Roman looked a little better at Fastlane um, with his Shield brethren. Obviously, I thought they did a good job of making Drew look strong. Um, if... I I don't there wasn't anything negative or positive I really have to say about this match. It was kind of just a match, almost in the same way as Orton versus AJ Styles. Like it wasn't bad. There was anything that I can point out that was like, oh, that shit was terrible. Um, but it just wasn't. I mean, anything after that Kofi, like the, the, the Kofi Bryan match, took a lot of wind. I think out of a, a one out of the crowd, and then we had the very short Joe Mysterio match. 
Um, this match probably would have fared better earlier on the card. I think maybe you switched this with uh, Styles and Orton, and maybe it would have done a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought McIntyre looks good. Um, not a huge fan of his. And I think Reigns coming back looked good. I'm glad that they kept him off Monday Night Raw away from the Mania crowd. Um, uh, especially if McIntyre's hurt. It's interesting to see what they're going to do with both these guys going forward because I think Drew McIntyre leading into this, I thought, was being booked really well and did look super strong. Um, There was the one spot in the corner where it looked like, uh, I believe it was Roman was going for a top rope powerbomb, and he just kind of lifted up and like bitch-tossed Roman off the top. I thought that was kind of a cool spot. They they hit some different stuff. Roman, the, the one thing that's kind of constant with Roman and for me is the Superman punches. I'm just, I think that he should almost save it like the punt and make the move stronger and not use it as often. Um, if that's at all possible or work something new in, uh, like kind of save it for a special occasion. Like don't use it in your Monday night raw matches and then kind of bring it out. I think it would make it cooler. Um, almost protect it. Like, Okada protects the Rainmaker. Like, make that your finisher or something. I don't know. Like, do something to change it because I'm, I'm tired of it uh, being the spot where he, he's still going to hit it no matter what, and you know it's going to happen. But yeah, uh, outside of that, I thought the match was decent. Nothing to write home about. Like I said. Yeah, my my problem with the Superman punch is it should not be a signature or finisher. I think that's something. I, he, one of his arsenal, but something that he really brings out and starts, like he does, basically, he'll hit you with like four or five of them. I hate to compare it to the V-trigger because Kenny makes that look so amazing and puts a different type of emphasis, but if he kind of treated that move more like that um, and had the spear as more of his main thing and then had another power move, some type of power bomb, maybe that fall one that he normally does, well, once in a while, I should say, I think it would be more devastating. I think that he... The Superman punch, the ooh-ah, I mean, I, he can still do that. People get into it and cheer it with him, but I, he just needs some more stuff in his arsenal. And, you know, he's a, he's a good enough wrestler by now to kind of get something else to – I love what you said about the Okada thing because it's very true. Okada's got a fucking – he's got drop kicks and a damn clothesline. But the way that he does it makes it so devastating. Either way, Jack, what would you think about this match? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It was, this match was kind of like when you light a pack of fireworks and then they just fizzle out in the dud. Um, it was another Orton-Styles match. Uh, I, You know, honestly, going into this, I've been disappointed of how they've treated McIntyre. I wanted him to go against Brock Lesnar. Um, so going into it, those two matches, I didn't have many hopes for anyways. I did like the build-up and the reset while going into this match, but I knew that they weren't going to let him win because Reigns and Leukemia. So, I mean, it, I didn't have high hopes going in. It didn't do nothing for me. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bad match, but... And so I, I would just say it's a subpar match, a filler match. Um, as for a Superman punch, I do think that that should not be a signature or a finisher. I think it should be like a five-knuckle shuffle. Um... I think he could definitely do something like a side cradle pump handle flame or something, something that emphasizes his power. Uh, but, yeah, just another subpar dud, in my opinion. 
Real quickly, would would um, would either one of you guys have a problem if he used the jackhammer? No one uses that besides that one guy in New Japan. I forgot what his name is. It's a devastating looking move. I know I don't so much for the comparisons with him and Goldberg, but just I think that would be a pretty awesome move. Or would it be too close to the vest with him doing that in the spear, uh, Chris? I mean, when he was going against the Undertaker, I really wanted them to build like the the last ride for him to have as a move. Yeah. So, because he was going to get heat be for be- beating Undertaker anyways, and he's big enough to make that move look de- devastating, you know, where you're jacking them further up in the air. Um, or the Tombstone, I thought, it, it, especially if you're going to have him beat Taker anyways, and you're not going to really do anything with Taker except for these Saudi Arabia events, I think that would have been a good route. Um, fucking, he should... Spinning Tombstone. Maybe I'm asking for a little bit too much, but... <laughs> Just a tombstone in general, or the last ride, especially because he's already known for the power bomb from the shield. I think like the last ride would have been a cool, cool move. Yeah. But yeah, Jackhammer would be fun too. Um, but yeah, if he would have done some stuff with Goldberg, I probably would even say yeah, Jackhammer. Sure enough, but uh, yeah, I think any any of Taker's spots would have been fun. I'm just glad he's not doing a choke slam. There's so many people that already do a choke yeah. slam that I'm kind of fine with him <laughs> at least not going that route. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Um, Jack, uh, last last ride or jackhammer, or do you have a better suggestion? Real quick. I mean, I, I would be okay with either one, but I think he should, especially if he's going to stick with the spear, he should just try and do something different. Um, I mean, I, personally, I would like to see, like, a pop-up powerbomb or something that, that he could switch into a powerbomb or an uppercut, you know, since he likes his strong hits. But uh, I don't know. It, it can go either way as long as he doesn't have the Superman at the forefront. Because honestly, single hit strikes, I don't care how big you are, they're just not that impressive. Yeah, it's just, I mean, his working punch itself, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is, but I, I do agree. Um, all right, so we got this wonderful concert by Elias. Last attempted to perform a concert with two other pre-taped versions of himself, uh, like it was Jurassic Park all over again, uh, but was interrupted by <laughs> the return of the Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena, who had a hat on backwards, so we couldn't notice how ridiculous his hair has become. But still, I I love this. I thought this was great. I thought this was really entertaining. I heard the audience. This kind of brought the life back into him. If I'm in an armchair book for a bit um, I would have had I would have had this happen on Raw with him and John Cena I would have had The Undertaker because it's The Undertaker and he didn't fucking promote him for either or show up on Mania because it's a Mania spot do exactly what he did setting up Undertaker for whatever he's going to do in the future for this next year by the way he looks in great shape um, and I would have had John Cena. I would have had Kurt Angle go through Baron Corbin rather quickly. Maybe get a fluke win with a roll up, and then you know whatever. And then John Cena, normal John Cena, comes out, does that thing that everyone wanted. That even he talked about in interviews beforehand. Him and Kurt Angle have the same amount of time to put on a pretty damn good matcher. Like I said, you cut out that fucking Babe Ruth thing. That's like what ten minutes? I don't know. That was a long fucking intro. And then John comes out heel version on Monday Night Raw against Elias and does the same exact thing. You just switch it around a bit. Whatever. What do I know? Like I said, I don't get paid by WWE. But, Chris, 
I thought this was still a fun segment. I like Cena coming back and doing the FU, all the rhymes. Pretty hilarious. Good throwback. How'd you like it? As a segment, I thought it was fine. I actually enjoyed the John Cena coming back as Doctor of Thugonomics. Um, I'm going to enjoy it very less if after this he comes directly back out as just normal ass John Cena. <laughs> I guess that was my overall takeaway. Yep, that's what that's what I'm saying. That's why I would have had him come out as normal John Cena with Kurt Angle for that moment and then switch it to the Doctor of Thugonomics with Elias in the same segment and just bring the Undertaker on Mania. I, I don't get it. Maybe I'm just going crazy for thinking that way. But what are you going to do? Uh, Jack, what do you think about this segment? Um, I mean, it was good nostalgia. It was fun. It was funny. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I could have gone without it as well, I think. Um, and as for Undertaker... If they insisted on pushing them, I think your idea would have been better. Um, but honestly, I just I'm ready for Undertaker to never come back. No disrespect to Undertaker, but uh, I, I'm just I'm done with him, Kane, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. I mean, though, the AARP people need to stay out of the ring. It's bad enough when people like Randy Orton are. You could noticeably see them slowing down, but they could still hang. I mean. Did you see Undertaker's hair? He, they got to let him retire and shave that thing already. He looks like Baron Corbin's grandpa. He really does. He's got a skull it. It's terrible. Um, but he did look like he's in great shape, but I do completely agree with you. And not only that, we don't need Taker to put his body on the line anymore at his age. I think that's even a better thing. If this is going to be his wrap-up year and that's what that whole entire thing was, all right, I get it. I thought that was going to be last year and even the year before that. I thought Roman Reigns retired him, and I kind of liked it like that. That was a good passing of the torch type of situation for the locker room leader. Um, either way, whatever. Let's go to the next match. There's no holds barred. Triple H going against Batista. Uh, they tried, man. That's what I will definitely say. This is a very long, slow match, very methodical, but they were brutal. There was a table spot. I saw a nose ring get ripped out, I think. I don't know how that would work out because that's a lot of tugging to do between it, and it was a, it was a, it was a hoop. I, I don't understand that whole thing. But, you know, uh, pliers on fingers. Ric Flair came out to help Hunter with the hammer. Um, and uh, Ric Flair caused a distraction. It allowed Triple H to hit the running uh, jumping sledgehammer. Shot to Batista. He followed up with a pedigree to win the match. And uh, we went over Batista's retirement stuff yesterday, what he said. It's good to see it. Um, but, yeah, it was extremely long, and I was exhausted by this point. Chris, what did you think? I actually liked the match itself. It was a little long, but most Triple H WrestleMania matches are, so I kind of knew what I was getting into going uh, going into it. I liked uh, Batista <laughs> tripped going into the ring, and then it's that almost like funny. he's been acting so much now that he went outside of the ring and then came back in. And when he came back in, he stepped through very, very slowly. (laughs) Like in case, you know, when they put out these DVDs, they just cut in him getting in the ring that time or something. I don't know if you caught that or, or if he was just trying to be funny or whatever. I I really enjoyed that. I liked uh, triple H's use of a toolbox um, using multiple tools, (laughs) trying to do finger breaks and stuff. I thought that was entertaining. Um, there was fun stuff in this match and just, you know, it's, it's a slow triple H match. Batista hasn't been in the ring in forever. 
And uh, I think both guys tried really hard. They were a little blown up towards the end of the match, but uh, Ric Flair coming out made sense. The evolution thing. I almost wish that Randy would have just RKO'd all three of them or something, and and you put Randy over if he's going to be around. But, uh, yeah, overall, you know, I had no problems with it. I thought it was a fun match. It's just... Uh, it's it's weirdly spotted on the card. It happened after the John Cena thing, which I think fans were pretty excited for, especially people that have been around through those iterations of John Cena. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't hate it. thought it was a decent match. Um, I've seen better Triple H matches, and uh, it's it was fun. I'll, I'll say that, and I like the storyline going into it. Dude, and I want to give to Batista, man, taking those bumps on his last match, getting – uh, you know, smash on the steel chairs, all that stuff that he did. He put his body at risk, and uh, definitely have to appreciate that. And Hunter, too, man, they they took some major, sp- uh, you know, bumps for being like what 50, 51, 52-ish. You know, uh, Jack, what did you think about this match? Yeah, it was. Uh, this was one of the better matches on the card. Um, it was cohesive. It was well structured. It had a lot of good bumps and spots. Uh, it was very fun. But, again, it's one of those things where, you know, 20 years ago we saw it three times already and way better quality. So, I, you know, it had a, it had a limit and it had expectations that, you know, it was never going to be a, a, you know, an immortal match. But it was fun and it, it kept, the, kept the event going at a good pace. So I give it to them. They did a lot of creative stuff. Other than that, I mean, you know, so I'd say 7 out of 10. Yep. All right. So we had a uh, oh god. Um, Baron Corbin defeated Kurt Angle. Angle looked pretty good in this match. Uh, he had some pretty good offense. He missed the moonsault, which I don't know why. I guess if you're gonna do it, you might as well do that that one last time. Corbin hit the end of days to win the match. After the match, Angle asked everyone to chant uh, that chant that you know everyone knows him so well, and they all said. You suck, and over and over again. And my favorite thing is the camera goes to someone in the front row, and Kurt Angle like sees a sign and it says, "You don't really suck." So I'm I'm glad someone let him know that he doesn't suck. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't fucking know. I mean, this is Kurt Angle. He's one of the best. He's one of the greatest. Sean got to go off from the Undertaker. Undertaker's gone out, I guess, from Roman Reigns and probably about three other people soon. But still, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels. I mean, there's. Baron Corbin. I don't have a problem with him as a heel. I think he's fine. And I, I get that Kurt Angle wanted to put him over. He's the one who wanted to put Drew McIntyre over. That was his decision. It's just them picking this opponent for him. Lackluster as hell. And I'm not the only one who thinks it. Jim Ross does the same thing. McFoley, John Cena. Ah, whatever. Chris, this match. Yeah. This is my least favorite match, basically, by the way. It was it was what I was expecting. Um, I think it was a better Kurt Angle match than the the, the two that he had on Raw and SmackDown going into this, um, and even going back to the I guess when he was a member of the Shield, <laughs> if you remember that. I think this was probably the best work match he's had in a long time. Obviously, his body is really broken down. We've seen Kurt Angle go from one of the greatest of all time to TNA being really, really good to the end of TNA and, and kind of where he's at now. And I mean, he's just, it is what it is with Kurt Angle. I love him. I respect the hell out of him. He's one of my favorites. I think he's one of the, I, easily one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Um, 
sucks to see him going out with the Baron and Corbin, but whatever. I mean, that's what's booked. He agreed to it, did the job. Um, the end speech was fine. And I think, you know, the best part of this match to me was the guy in the front row with a sign that says, you never sucked. So big shout out to that guy. Yep, I completely agree. Jack, what did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, Kurt Angle is another AARP guy, so uh, it, it was time for him to retire. You could see in his Raw and SmackDown matches, he was just, man, he was gassed. He couldn't even, like, it was almost sad to see them have, you know, keep pushing him out there for that farewell tour, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It was time for him to retire. He's going to retire. You definitely put over the younger guys, so Baron Corbin winning was the right move. But, you know, completely lackluster. Nobody even wanted to see it because of Baron. Not because of Baron. I agree he's a good heel. Everyone hates him. That's what they're supposed to do. So, But I just, I, I don't think anybody wanted Baron Corbin. Out of all the opponents, Baron Corbin. So I think this match was doomed going in. It was a much better match. In his previous matches, uh, the somersault thing that was good, and I. But I think ultimately the show stealer again was the guy in the front row with the "you never suck" sign. So, I mean, that's pretty bad for a match. Yep. All right. Well, we had the IC belt, the Intercontinental Championship match. Uh, the Demon Finn Balor went against the champion Bobby Lashley. And um, did that weird tongue thing that Vince is now getting fucking fin to do. Oh, God. Um, Bobby Lashley doing the Hulk thing with his with his eyes. I, I thought that was kind of cool. This match was basically kind of a squash match, and the Demon won the championship with the Coupe de Gras. Who saw that coming? I thought the best spot was him powerbombing Bobby Lashley. Like, holy crap, we just saw Finn Balor powerbomb this guy. And that even Leo Rush was scared of the Demon because that face paint is scary. I love Finn Balor. Just kidding. All jokes aside, Chris, really quickly, how did you like the IC match? I uh, I liked it. I thought it was a short squash match that made Balor look good. They gave him that power bomb spot that makes the demon look important again. But uh, what the hell was with Bobby Lashley's contacts? They just did that because Balor had the demon makeup on, and that was going to be his gimmick against the demon. But uh, outside of that, I mean, it was fine for what it was. And it was another, hey, let's make the fans happy before we go into this last little run and let's do a quick match. That's how that's how I read it, at least. I agree. Bobby Lashley, I, th- I think he was going to do a tribute to the Hulk. Like, yeah, I guess the counter. I don't know why. Uh, either way, uh, Jack, what did you think about this match? Yeah, first I think the context was just that everybody always has a WrestleMania attire. So he was just trying to figure something out because Bobby Lashley's not really – you know, he's very plain when it comes to his attire. But um, yeah, I liked it. It was good. I liked the power bomb. Um, I'm not I'm not entirely behind it. I actually had higher hopes and expectations. So maybe that's why. But uh, I would have liked a little bit more out of it. Uh, altogether, though, they both performed well. And I, I give it a seven. Yeah. All right, um, last match, guys. The winner takes all Ron and women, or Ron SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch defeated both Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair, both champions. Uh, Rousey went for the Piper's Pit on Lynch, but Lynch reversed it into a crucifix spin to win the match. Lynch is now both champs. Um, and, uh, yeah, we all kind of saw Becky winning. Uh, I don't think any of us saw this outcome. 
Um, I think that a lot of us expected a little bit more out of the match. We went over all the hubbub and bullshit yesterday. Uh, Ronda accidentally had her shoulder up, but that was supposed to be the finish. Um, cool, Becky's got the belts. I know everyone was exhausted who watched it there and also who watched it through TV like us. Chris, how do you feel about Becky being the champion on both brands? I like Becky as champion. I'm glad that they added Charlotte here as a safety net for wrestling because I think Charlotte was, as I thought, would be the best worker in the match. I think that she sold the best and and kind of set up most of the spots. Um, The table spot was unfortunate. They just – I know they're trying to do this the women's match, but they kind of need to steer clear of it. But outside of that, I thought it was a decent match, and I like the outcome a lot. Jack, what about you? Did this match uh, live up to expectations, or were you just happy that Becky won the, the belts? Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% behind Becky. I'm not sure what they're doing with the women's titles, but I'm, I'm kind of behind the, uh, you know, getting like a two or three double defense run out of Becky, honestly, you know. But um, I was always behind the triple threat scenario from the jump, so that that paid off well. Charlotte Flair always works well in the ring. Um I did expect more out of this match. They should have not used the table. They should have used, or if they were going to, at least, you know, it felt like right when they were building it up to, like, bring out kendo sticks and chairs and ladders and bring it into the crowd like they should have, that it just fizzled out. Um, We've seen a lot better at Evolution, TLC. So these Survivor Series, these three women could have brought more. I don't know why it didn't happen, but I did like the finish. You know, Ronda talking about wrestling, um, insulting it, and getting beaten by a classic sneak wrestling move. I love that ending, but I do think that there should have been a little more out of it. Yep, man, it sets up stuff for Ronda down the road if she wants to come back, and she has a reason because she had her shoulder up, even if it was an accident. Built-in storyline, and still she's never tapped. So there's that. Um, I just, like we all said, I thought that they were going to put a little bit more into this, and I think I was so tired to the point that the match just, I couldn't stay with it as well as some of the other matches. I think that's the biggest thing with Mania. Does it need to do two days next year? No. They need to condense it. Not everyone gets a trophy and just do the biggest matches like they always did instead of trying to make it longer and longer and longer. I just, uh, I, I just it's, it's exhausting. It really is. And after the Supercard, this was two and a half hours more. Holy crap. A lot of wrestling. I can't complain too much about it. I really enjoyed this WrestleMania, this WrestleMania weekend. Guys, it's another show. Obviously, we weren't able to get to Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I I don't want to put them on the spot, but I am probably going to do a video on our Facebook page at Geek Fives Nation, um, just kind of going like a live video this weekend, going over Raw and SmackDown. A lot of it's going to be completely pointless compared to next week. And next week we'll go over, obviously, the brand split, um, you know, who, what happens with the shakeup, who goes where, and all that wonderful stuff. I want to thank Jeffrey from Jeffrey Show Live, Jeffrey Taylor, for joining us, and my good buddy Michael Hoyt were able to be there. And I want to thank my friend Jack, Jack Flowers. Thank you, man, for coming on, and do any plugs you want to do. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say for Raw and SmackDown that the Raw after Mania next year should be the shakeup. Um yeah, you can go check us out. We've got another recording on the Running in the Ropes podcast on Spotify. We're recording it tomorrow, so by Friday morning it'll be up. That's the Running the Ropes podcast. And uh, 
Thanks for having me on, Dane, and hopefully I can be on next week or something. Yeah, man. We'll definitely be talking to you soon. And, of course, my wonderful co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Thanks, buddy, for doing these two days with me. And maybe we'll do some more this weekend. Maybe I will, whatever. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start back next week with some more information. Say goodbye to all the good people. As always, we'll play it by ear, but just let me know. I'm down for this weekend, and we'll get some stuff out for everybody. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the WrestleMania weekend and leading up to this weekend. Uh, yeah, got a lot of stuff done, and it was fun to watch. Uh, you guys can hit me up on Twitter at Chris R. Patton. And uh, love you guys. Have a great rest of the week. Remember, GV Nation has Geek Vibes, gvnation.com, for all of our platforms of news and information on wrestling, comics, movies, all that stuff, and also links to you know, our iTunes account for all of our podcasts, our Blog Talk account, our Stitcher account, and all of our platforms, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. Join us next week, guys. Have a wonderful evening, and let the Geek Fives be with you. Thank you for joining Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Oh, yeah. Snap into it, oh, yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.